This is the Body Breaking Free podcast. We are here to break free of all the heaviness that weigh us down in our body and sense of self. This podcast purpose and creation is here to support your life of body freedom, a body that makes you feel free, aligned, and empowered. It is a process of undoing and recreating. It's about health goals and personal transformation. We investigate with interviews, insights, and all the wellness tools so you can design a wellness reality that sets you free. Are you ready to break free? Let's dive in. Okay, before we dive into the episode, I am just so thrilled at some of these workshops coming up. I finally am getting some stuff together to offer workshops and some movement classes and and things like that. So the first is a body love workshop. I know my heart and soul 100% is going into this. I really want to help you build a new relationship of your body. And so doing movements and then also discussion and meditation will add in some spirituality and looking at what is your purpose of your body and then um, really help you feel more grounded and stable and then bring in that clarity and empowerment. So that will be at Enlightened Wellness in Park City. So if you're in Park City or close by, I really invite you to do the in-person. You will get more benefit of the yoga and me being there with more hands-on adjustments and um, just being with a community is really valuable. However, if you're not able to be in person, the online option is also going to be amazing. So that's the first one. Then there's this amazing workshop that me and um, Katie Barbaro and Madeline Hackett, us three, are putting on, and it's called Intuitive Eating Workshop, and we will be doing this at PCYC, so PC Yoga Collective, and we're having it planned for Friday, August 5th. Oh my gosh, like the holding this space is going to be so transformational. All just like so thrilled to put on this workshop because we've all three of us have dealt with struggling with our food and having that disordered eating habits and um, the journey that it took each of us to really find a relationship that made us feel more joy in our life and made us feel like we had more intention with our food and having a healthy relationship with food really releases that time and energy and consumption when we're struggling we are just so focused on that one part that we can't use that energy in any other way we can't use that energy for purpose or for our light or for spreading joy So what we want to do in our workshop and really our mission is to help you see how your relationship with food can be filled with joy and intention. So over this 90-minute workshop, we will be doing some journaling to bring in honesty to our relationship with food, breathwork and meditation to connect to a deeper place within and discussion to talk about how you can change how you see and connect with your food. 
So we are, like I said, just so thrilled to hold this space for this powerful transformation. And um, all of these will be on the newsletter. That's what our little hub is. I will be sending out all the information. So if you're not on our newsletter yet, make sure to sign up. That will be in the show notes as well. Um, Make sure to be on that newsletter so that you get all the details. Okay, thanks for letting me rant about those epic workshops. I'm so thrilled. I hope to see you there. Um, And let's just get into this episode. So today we have Brian Grin on the podcast. I am so excited. I When he reached out to me, I was thrilled because I really wanted to talk about intermittent fasting. I've known a little bit about it, but I've also kind of pushed it away because I've been nervous about getting into something that is more structured, that has maybe quote-unquote rules around it. So I thought maybe it had more control mentality. And so I really was inviting Brian in to talk about some of these beliefs around this kind of eating. And I just want to open up and be curious and invite more perspectives on obviously onto the podcast and then into my own eating and into all of our eating perspectives, because I just think that's really valuable. The more that we can learn, the more perspectives that we can share into our lives, the more that we can open up and and maybe invite some of these practices in. Intermittent fasting could be the thing that really helps you build a new, stronger foundation of your eating practices, of your relationship to food, um, and really help you live in a body that you love, that you can feel safe in, that you can feel empowered in. And that's the goal, right? We want to help you achieve your desires in your body and, and out into your life. So Brian is here and we talk about intermittent fasting. We kind of look at it from a lot of different angles, which is fun. And we do talk about what is intermittent fasting and Um, What are the benefits and give this overarching idea of what it's about, but less about the rules and less about this is how you need to do it. And that's what I really loved about Brian's philosophy of including this kind of flow and ease around it and also permission to experiment with what works for you. So even we know in the whole diet culture, there's definitely no one size fits all. But in the intermittent fasting itself, we don't have to latch on to this specific way and how to do it perfectly. And we dive into that today. You guys know me. I love to dig into the ego and question some of those limiting beliefs and um, bring that sense of curiosity. So If you're interested in intermittent fasting or curious about it and you want to learn more about it, this is the episode for you. So I'm just really excited to offer this. Brian is great. He's awesome. He has a book, a podcast, a digital course. He is an expert in the field of intermittent fasting and wellness coaching and movement specialist. So he really knows a lot about this stuff. And um, it's just great. It's great to talk with him. Great to have him on the podcast. So I'm really excited. And um, yeah, sit back and enjoy the episode. Yeah, Katie, thanks so much for having me on. 
yeah, this is going to be really fun. And I'm excited to get into intermittent fasting and what it's all about. And I know a little bit, I've read a few things on it, but I'm also just really curious. I've heard some good things and some bad things. So I definitely want to dive into that and we can kind of explore this whole topic. Um, but I first am just want to know, I'm really curious about your own background, Brian, and your story about how you got into this work and why are you so passionate about teaching and helping other people? Yeah. So, uh, well, I've been involved in health and wellness for like 20 years now. And I used to train individuals in and out of a studio. And so I was big into strength training, I think early on, like my parents instilled that in me probably in like high school, uh, which was great, sort of like built a foundation. And then when I got, got out of school, I, was, I just knew it was something that I, a road that I wanted to go down. And it's evolved over time. I mean, uh, regarding like fasting and and eating habits and things like that, I think I realized that training people was only one piece of the puzzle. So I was introduced to actually, uh, she was a client of mine that introduced me to fasting and, uh, she was like, uh, pre-diabetic and was looking for a way to sort of get her health in, in order. And I sort of just watched by the side. She had someone guide her through fasting. She had a naturopath, uh, holistic practitioner guide her and she just got such great results. I thought it was just really interesting. I wanted to try it myself and, you know, now I'm what 42. This was when I was like mid thirties and yeah, I just, I don't know. I had great results as well. Just felt more mental clarity. felt like I almost like got my body back to where it was maybe like 10 years ago and just thought it was a great tool to have. So yeah, I've been involved with health for a long time and then, you know, just got more and more into coaching people through not only fasting, but I have a, like a whole blueprint that I take people through, but um, so it's, it's evolved over time, but um, yeah, I just love uh, spreading the word about fasting and, and how it can, you know, just be a great tool. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, going from focusing on the strength training and exercise. So were you a personal trainer for people just helping them with strength training and exercise as well before you got into the, into the fasting? Yeah, I was. And I was always into nutrition, but then I started to get, uh, you know, study more and more about it and realized that I needed to add that in, <laughs> uh, to yeah. really get max results for clients. So, yeah, yeah. I think that that's common. Like we focus on the exercise and the doing and the training, and then we're like, oh yeah, the whole diet piece of the puzzle is also very important. And, um, so that makes sense that evolution. So with this intermittent fasting, Brian, what were those results that you personally saw? And when you kind of, you know, dove into that process, experimenting with it, were you just like a light bulb went on and you were like, this is something, this is the tool that really you can see improvements. And that is why I want to share it with other people. Yeah. I mean, improvements for myself. Um, I would say that the biggest thing was like, I think it allowed me to just like, not that I had like an eating problem, but like, it just helps you gain control of like when you, when you're going to eat, I guess it puts structure in the day. And I think that's like really important for myself it was really important for myself. And then also for clients, because, you know, nowadays you can get food 
in like 10, you know, 10 minutes and just, you know, download an app and whatever, have it sent to you or whatever. And I just think that it gives, it gave me structure. I mean, the main benefits like mental clarity. Um, I did like find that like my abs came back better. So I think it just helped like, I wasn't doing it for to, to make a big change in my body, but I did find that it, it did help me, um, lean out a little bit and, but also gave me like structure throughout the day and mental clarity as well. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. I think a lot of us are looking for that structure and the control and the control can be a tricky thing because we can kind of go on either end of the spectrum of control. And it's kind of finding that sweet spot, where we're not, you know, gripping on with both hands too obsessively, which I feel like I can fall into when I start controlling, especially my diet. Um, but I think for a lot of the listeners too, they're looking for something sustainable and something with stability. Um, at some point we just get so sick of this up and down cycle and the craze of the diet culture. And Brian and I were actually talking about this a little bit before we hopped on to the interview and just, um, getting kind of consumed by all of that. And at some point, I think you really gain that clarity of this isn't working. This is just overtaking, myself, my meaning in life, my purpose, time and energy. And I really need to find something that is more stable and sustainable and something that's really going to make me feel good. And so that was one thing with the intermittent fasting that I shied away from was I was a little bit worried about it being the short term, like fasting for a certain amount of days or weeks. And then it kind of it being maybe a little bit more time and energy consumption in that and not as sustainable. Um, so what, did, what do you have to say about that, Brian? Yeah. I mean, I think that fasting is a tool that, that everyone can use, uh, men or women. And I think that as long as it's used in the correct manner, it's something that it's it. What I like about it is it can be used with any type of eating style. So whether you're a carnivore or a vegetarian, um, it can be implemented. And I, what, what also is, I like about it is the fact that it, you know, it's simplistic, right? Like when things get complicated, people don't follow things and the simplicity of you're either in a fed state or you're fasting, I think it's just makes people like not get overwhelmed and, uh, you know, cause we have, you know, new diets coming out every, you know, every month, <laughs> um, or a new way of eating, or you hear, oh, I should, maybe I should just do, do carnivore or no, uh, but you know, vegetables have these anti-nutrients, so I shouldn't eat them. And, uh, I hear all that stuff. And, you know, I think it's a little bit of a self-experimentation. I'm sure you talk about, it's not like a one size fits all thing. And just because one person's eating or, or doing a certain type of fast that, that you should do it. So I think that it has to evolve for each individual and find out, you know, what eating style works for them and, and, um, and then maybe what type of structure around that eating style works. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that self-experimentation of being in that place of curiosity. And then also when you get to that place that you're totally fed up with these ups and downs, you're willing to have the patience to look at new things, try them out and see if they work or don't work. And I definitely feel like for some people, like this will probably be an awesome tool that will work. And I always love to talk about tapping into your higher self and kind of that spirituality. And that part is connecting to each of our own unique truth within so that, yeah, of course, not, there's not one practice that's going to be fitting one size fits all fit all of us. But I always invite the listeners just to listen to their intuition to kind of help them be a little bit more curious and, and look at these practices like intermittent fasting and just being like, oh, this might work. This could be kind of a curious thing that I can try out. And if it feels good, then that would be something that they would want to pursue. And you're talking about all these trends and then like vegetables are good, vegetables are bad. And then carnivore diet and like all of these different things. The more I read and the more I try all these different things, it always comes back to how does it feel for me and my body. And I always have to come back to that intuitive place because I'm going to have every single expert out there tell me this is right, this is wrong, and then flip it 180 (laughs) degrees. So it's all kind of this experimentation process. I just love how you said that. Well, yeah. And you're you're noticing it now, at least I'm noticing it because you know a lot of people that, let's just say some influencers that I followed from the last seven years, you know, there's some, there were some big ones like Thomas DeLauer, who's a big fasting guy. And then Mike Mutzel with, um, now he, I just watched a video on how he's sort of scaling back fasting. So, you know, I think that, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. And you're seeing that with people who you are following, or you're thinking that like their opinion is gold. Well, you know, they've, they, they had this rhetoric for a while and now they're sort of going back on it a little bit. And, you know, that doesn't mean that just because you've been doing a, you know, certain type of fasting style for a while means that you have to do that your whole life. Like even for myself, I mean, I play, I'm playing around now with having days of where maybe I consume a little bit more and I'm not as restrictive as far as my eating window. And then other days where, you know, it's the other way around. So I really don't think there is a right or wrong. Um, but just for like people who that aren't into like the health game, like we are, uh, I do think you have to start with something, <laughs> some type of, of like way of eating and follow that and just see how that feels for a while. Don't do it for a day or two and then get off. I think you have to give it time to evolve. I think that's important. Totally. Yeah. And it goes back to what we were just talking about control. You do have to have a structure for anything new that you're starting, something to follow. And then you're talking about your own process of just having that day to day, kind of like that loose grip onto it. So you know what you're doing, but you're also allowing yourself permission to relax in the structure of it. I think Mm -hmm. that's really, really important. And for me, it's gone back to those deeper, deeper rooted wounds. So 
addressing some of those internal belief systems of I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not worthy. I really had to address those to find that loose and kind of flow and ease with my eating, with my practices, with trying things, because I think that's when we really get in that control mentality and really grip onto that structure of believing everything has to be perfect is when we are just basically subconsciously we're being driven by those deeper emotional wounds. And I just bring that up because it's, there's multiple layers, right? So I just want the listeners to know that it's not bad. Like nothing's bad. I know that everybody's heart is in the right place. It's just knowing that maybe if you're having some issues with that control mentality, we might need to dive in a little bit deeper and look at what's really driving driving those decisions. Cause once I, once I started looking at some of those deeper things, that's when things really started to change. And it wasn't that hard. Like, I mean, hard as in like noticing that and going into it, but I mean, the work is hard, like moving through those deeper things, but it, you know, diet and exercise. I feel like when we talk about this, we really need to bring up that there's spiritual components, there's limiting beliefs, there's subconscious driving factors that we just need to be aware of and be cautious of when we're, when we're (laughs) looking at these practices of changing how we're eating. I totally agree. I mean, one of the things that I think people have to really dial into is like, if they want to make a change, like why are they wanting to make that change? You always hear like, find your why, but no, there's a, there's a lot of truth behind that because you can, if you're not totally committed and, and you don't have a true thing driving you, then it's really tough to make changes. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that either on your website or on your bio sheet of having a strong intention when you start, start doing the intermittent fasting. So let's get into this whole process of what is intermittent fasting. And um, like you're saying, starting with your why, starting with a strong intention. And then what are kind of those steps? Like what do if somebody's just kind of like, oh, I don't really know what intermittent fasting is. Can you give us a little breakdown of that, Brian? Yeah. Well, I mean, intermittent fasting is simply just abstaining from food for a certain period of time. You'll hear time restricted eating, you know, and you'll hear hear a lot of different ways to, to term it alternate day fasting. There's a lot of different ways to do, to do fasting. So I would say that, um, yeah, it's just a, a, a period of time where you're not consuming calories. Some people get confused. They're like, Oh, can I have this? Can I have this? (laughs) And, uh, it can just get a little bit, you could probably drive yourself crazy. Um, but I, I think a good rule of thumb is if you're not consuming calories, now people be like, well, what about a black coffee? There's really not calories in that. And I would say that's fine. I mean, there's a lot of these like fasting, um, like training wheels. If you want to say that you can use, you know, even if you have, uh, people are like, well, what if I put a little cream in it? And I think that that's all good and well as, as well. I mean, we can talk about a lot of different things, but I think you can have tea and coffee and sparkling water and things to, um, you know, to sort of help you get through certain fasting times, especially starting, just starting out. Um, or you could just do a water fast, you know, but the, yeah, the bottom line is it's just going periods of time without eating. And, and like we talked about earlier, just a way to structure your, your eating times. Right. And so what are those windows? I I know it varies and people do it differently, but what are those windows where your amount of time that you're fasting? Yeah. I mean, it it depends on the individual. I think that the perfect time is the one that you're going to 
find that you're going to do consistently, right? It's like, well, what's the perfect workouts? The one that you're going to do, <laughs> um, and that you enjoy, and you know, obviously not everyone enjoys working out, but, and not everyone enjoys fasting and, and definitely there's some learning curves. I mean, I remember when I first started doing it, I was like, I'm like a big golfer. I'm like, I remember going into the round. I was like, okay, I'm just not going to eat. And like, I had like these hunger pains in the middle of the round. I'm like, oh, this is not going so well. <laughs> um, so there's definitely a learning curve, but I think if you can ease yourself into it and find the fasting times that, you know, just fit well within your schedule. A lot of people like to take advantage of like the overnight fast, right? Cause we're not eating in the middle of the night. Um, and then push slowly push back breakfast back until a certain time. That's like the most popular, I would probably say, but you know, you're seeing a lot of day, you're seeing a lot of info now where early time restricted eating can be advanced, can be a big advantage as far as just not eating too late and having that eating window when the sun's up. And, um, so I think that can go a long way as well. But, but again, if you're just starting out, I would just find the time where you're probably most busy because that'll be the easiest time to fast. Mm, okay. That makes sense. And yeah. so what I've heard in the past is, and I've done, and I kind of naturally do this, but I finish eating by seven and then I don't eat until nine or 10 in the morning. Yeah. So that it, what I've heard is it's kind of this idea of 14 hours. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. If you go from seven, I'm horrible with math, but yeah, if you go, <laughs> yeah, if you go from too. seven till 10 the next day, that's, um, yeah, five. And then another, yeah. I mean, that's right around there. I mean, again, I getting caught up in the nuance, I think it's a little like, I think maybe in the beginning, it's good to track and see, but like now for me, like, I don't like, I'm like, Oh, I have to go 20 today or I have to go 19 hours today. I just sort of go with the flow and depending to, I've been messing a little bit around with feeling how my workouts are both in a fasted and a non-fasted state. And I know that's a common question I get a lot. And as much research as I've done on this topic, I've never found like a perfect answer. So, um, I think it depends on the individual. I actually enjoy working out in an empty stomach and fasted, but, but I have been messing around with having a little something a few hours before and just seeing how my energy is during the workout. So anyways, I know that's off topic, but, um, so yeah, so starting out 16, eight is probably like a really popular one where you're, you know, let's just say you fast, you, you have an eating window from noon to eight, and then you fast the rest of the time. But I like your early one. I, I personally think if, if you could stop eating at least three hours before you go to bed, I think that's great for, you know, blood sugar regulation for, um, helping with digestion and sleep. And we all know how important sleep is. So yeah, I, I like the, the earlier window. I think it's a great place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you're just allowing it to be really flexible. I just love that mentality of like, don't get caught up in the nuances of it. Like it's a period of time where you're not eating. And then the other period of time you're, you can eat. And so during that time where you're eating food, is that just kind of like this free for all situation or what does that look like? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a free for all. I mean, I guess, no, I mean, I think some good rules of thumb is I, I remember starting out thinking, God, am I going to fit three meals in or should I fit two meals in? And, and I remember like trying to fit three and it just wasn't working. So I've just fallen into this two meal a day, um, time period for myself. And I just find that's easier. I would say that 
if you could focus on nutrient dense foods and prioritizing protein during that time period, I think that's most important. You'll find it's easier to fast if you're not eating a bunch of junk and processed food. I think that's, you know, what I find is when you have a certain time period to just eat, and maybe it's only four to six hours, let's just say, or, you know, seven hours or eight hours, when you have a smaller time period to eat, you'll probably find that you'll want to focus on better foods, knowing that you're going to have, you know, 16 hours of not eating. Um, so I think they can go hand in hand, not to say that you can't just eat junk, but, <laughs> but the more you get into it, the more you realize, God, I should probably eat some good nutrient dense foods so that the fasting's easier and, and I get, you know, all the nutrients I need. Right. Okay. So tell us the reasoning why somebody would do an intermittent fasting. Like what is the purpose behind it? Yeah. I mean, you know, you'll talk to different people and they'll be like, well, it, I think most importantly, it helps with your insulin levels, you know, it helps lower blood insulin. And, you know, we, we know that insulin's, you know, a fat, fat storage hormone. And so a lot of people who are on this sort of insulin roller coaster and they're eating a lot of processed foods, they're storing a lot of fat. And if we can just find a way to lower insulin, um, you know, when you're in a fasted state, that's the easiest and most flexible and best way to do it. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest thing in that, you know, and, and also too, um, it allows you to, like we talked about earlier, maybe even realize you don't need to eat as much. <laughs> like I've actually noticed I don't eat it. Like I don't count calories and I'm, and, and I know there's like a calories camp and an insulin camp and you know, what's most important. I think they're, they're all somewhat important. I, but I've never been a big calorie counter. And I think that if you, you, if you do start fasting, you become more in tune with your sort of like hunger cues mm. and cause it, and then you're not just obsessively eating all day. And so you'll realize that, God, I don't need to eat as much and I become full. And I think this is something that just comes over time. So if you want to call it, it helps, maybe you, you will consume less and it'll also control insulin. And I think those two things can, can help if, especially if you're looking to maybe lose some inches. Mm, okay. That makes sense. And I've also heard about this, which sounds really lovely about just having your body time to repair itself and build new cells and just allow it to heal and repair during that time of not eating. Because once we start eating, then the body starts having to digest the food and work on that energy on that. So in the yeah. period of fasting, it, it allows the body to kind of focus more on repair and healing. Does that sound right? No doubt about it. I mean, you know, I, th I think if you just think of all this stuff intuitively, like do we, when we're sick, what do we want to do? We, we don't want to eat, <laughs> we, you know? And so if you think about that, like, even like my dogs, when I know if they're not eating, something's wrong. Right. So they're wanting to try to heal themselves. And we, and, and, and yeah, like you mentioned, eating takes a lot of energy and, uh, if we're not eating, we're in a, sort of a healing state. Um, and so like, you know, you'll hear like autophagy, which is almost like a cell cleanse. It's like our own body's, um, way of like, it's like when you take your car and to get it's, you know, the wheels, you know, aligned and, uh, oil change and things like that. It's almost like your body's way of like 
cleaning out the old cells, replacing them with new ones. And yeah, an autophagy has been around and it's talked about, but no one really knows, well, how long do I have to fast to get into that state? And I think that the, the verdict is still out there, but, but we're doing a, some type of autophagy on a daily basis because when we're sleeping, we're not eating. Um, and you know, fasting can help get us into that state perhaps, and maybe create a little bit more cell cleanse. So yeah, I agree. And then Brian, is it fasting? Is fasting a kind of a, a sustainable thing that you do every day or do you do it at certain times in the year? Or if you're, you know, I don't know, wanting to cleanse the, the system or something, do you do it at certain times or is it this lifelong thing? Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's a lifelong thing. I think it's something for, for myself I do on a daily basis. But, you know, like you said, you're doing it pretty much on a daily basis. I mean, we all do it to some degree. I think that someone that's never done it, perhaps maybe eliminate snacking is a good place to start. And then you can sort of start getting into fasting after that. <clears throat> but I do think it's sort of a lifelong journey. And you sort of, you know, my fasting times have changed over the years and depending on activity level and just how I'm feeling. But um, I do think that like maybe once a year doing an extended fast could be really beneficial and, and more so just like from the mental part and just mm -hmm. like the fact that like, um, you know, there's plenty of people who, you know, we're so blessed that we, we can get food whenever we want, but there's a lot of people who, who aren't blessed and can't have food when they want, and they go nights without eating and they're maybe a little bit hungry. And I think just sitting in that and experiencing that, I think that can go a long way just from a, um, just a mental standpoint in the sense that you don't need to, you know, food doesn't need to run your life. Hmm. Um, Cause I think people think the opposite. They think like, oh, you're starving yourself. And it's far from that. <laughs> hmm. You know, we live in a world where, you know, we have plenty of access to food or blessed in that sense. So uh, going a night without food or a day and a half or two days, you know, on a little bit of an extended fast, I think can do good for not only your body, but also for your mind. Yeah. And it reminds me of this idea of creating stress in your body. So I had somebody on a few people on and talking about Wim Hof breathing and mm, the cold exposure. That. Yeah. And just stressing the body because we do live in the comfortable. And I've been really trying to work on this because I feel like I've lived most of my life in a fear state of just mm. trying to rest in this comfortable place. Right. But I'm trying more to push myself and knowing that getting uncomfortable and stressing yourself and your body and your nervous system can actually be really beneficial. So like jumping into the freezing cold lake and just, you know, experiencing life and being really cold and it sucks, but then knowing that you're going to be okay. And I think I remind myself, even on my mountain bike, I'm like, my body is so much more capable than I give it credit for that. I, I sometimes push those limits like a little bit inch by inch more, just so I can know that there is this massive amount of potential that my body can handle and myself and mentally and spiritually. I think what you were talking about is connecting to the world and looking at people that don't have access to food. That's a really beautiful spiritual practice. You can connect to other people in that way. 
and just allowing like this uncomfortableness to exist in almost this really positive light. I love that. Yeah, that's well put. And, you know, now you'll hear a little bit of a pushback with like some of these stressors. I've just, cause I'd listened to a lot of different podcasts and health podcasts and, and, um, I think that for most individuals, these stressors in an acute sense, right? Just a small short burst are great where someone might want to just be careful is with if they're stressed on a daily basis and they and they have chronic stress throughout their lives or in, in work, then they, maybe it's not the most perfect time to do these stressors. But I, you, it's funny you mentioned cold, cold exposure. That's something that I've really gotten into. Um, I was lucky, you know, I'm in Chicago, so we have cold weather, but, um, we don't have, I don't have like a lake to jump into unless I went to Lake <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> so I put a cold plunge in my house <laughs> and so I have access to it whenever I want. And, um, but I, I pick and choose. I don't, I'm not doing it all the time, obviously, but I'm picking yeah. and choosing when I'm going to use that as a way to, it's almost like become, it's like a meditative state when you go in it. And like you said, um, you're uncomfortable, but you know, you're going to get through it. And it just, I think in the long run, you'll be stronger for it. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm all for creating these stressors and, you know, fasting's a stressor exercise is a stressor. And I think, you know, we just got to be careful to not overdo it and, and just continually stack these stressors on top of each other, especially if in real life, well, real life, especially in like your day-to-day -day life, you are stressed. Like I'm very blessed. I don't really have a very, you know, I'm not a stressed individual. So I'm going to create stress on my own through these, you know, fasting exercise and cold therapy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I was just thinking while you were talking, just how in my own life I deal with anxiety. And actually just this last week, I had a ton of anxiety. I was pushing some of my limits and, and doing some workshops and blah, blah, blah. I was just kind of creating this kind of pushing my upper limit a little bit, which is good for me, but it definitely created and sparked some anxiety. And I think that the difference now I'm able to kind of step back and almost view it from a broader perspective of, okay, this anxiety, like what's going on. Okay. I know I'm, you know, this stuff's going on. And then I can almost see exercise and things where I'm stressing the body as almost as healing this like bottom down process where my nervous system is already kind of heightened at this chronic stress level. So I'm already in that fight or flight, but I know when I go to yoga class that when I'm moving and I'm stressing my body more, and then when I'm relaxing and I dive into that parasympathetic and then, Oh, we're up again, we're going through Sunday and we're flowing and we're moving and stressing the body. And then I relax and I step out of class. I know that I've done the therapy on my body where I'm working the nervous system. And then I'm in a more relaxed, more balanced state. 
And I also mentally know like where my anxiety is coming from. So I think that it's like all of these things that we talk about here on the podcast, Brian, and what you're talking about, it's just giving us a broader perspective of just allowing us to be in that observer place. So not getting kind of trapped in, in the drama, in the anxiety and knowing what processes we're able to do to bring therapy into the body and then bring therapy through talk therapy. Um, and then just having a perspective on like where your anxiety is coming from. Um, I know I'm like kind of offshooting on our discussion, but it's, you know, we all deal with anxiety and stress and it's just an interesting topic to talk about, like creating more stress in our mm. body. And I think most of us would push that away. But I think that like there's truly and with the intermittent fasting, there's truly a ton of benefits if we can have a perspective of it. I think that's really important because I think when if I was fasting and I was getting hungry or, I, you know, whatever happened, then I could have a broader perspective of why I'm doing it. And then also, like, if I'm already in an anxious place, almost be like this is actually going to really help with that as well. I would just say that, yeah, I mean, um, you know, when it co comes to fasting, I think it's one of those things where there's a lot of fear that people have with it. But once you, you know, it's like the same thing with the cold therapy. Uh, actually, we had some people over yesterday, like so some cut my, my cousins, and we invited them over and, uh, two of them, I was like, Oh, do you guys want to plunge? It was like a plunge. I'm like, do you guys want to plunge? And you know, they've never done it before. And I'm sure there was a lot of fear around it, but like, it's almost like an accomplishment as well. And you feel better for it when you're done with it. Um, it's like that for workouts and it could be like that a little bit with fasting, right? There's a little bit of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And so if you're doing that on a daily basis or even an every other day basis, some type of fasting, you know, it's a little bit of a win and an accomplishment. I think that's important when you talk about whether it's, you know, trying to lose inches or, or get to a certain goal, it's all about creating those little wins. And so if you can do those, the more you do them, I think the, the more successful perhaps you can be in what you're trying to achieve. Uh, now you might have a day where it's, you, you don't fast as much and you don't feel like it and that's fine. Um, but the days that you do, there's a little bit of an accomplishment there. And you can't always say that for doing for a lot of things on a daily basis. Um, and when it comes to like diet and exercise, uh, but for, for fasting, I think you, you can, you can create little wins that, that can sort of pull you along the process. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kind of that feeling of accomplishment and that relief and, and that feeling again, like kind of that sense of control. And I love how the intermittent fasting has a structure to it that allows the brain to have, like our brains love to have structure and mm -hmm. like uh, labels and just kind of this, it knows what it's doing. It like has this container to act into, yeah. but at the same time, it, it allows a lot of freedom and you can, you know, eat. It's not so much on what you're eating, but how you're eating. I really love that concept. And, and in Ayurveda, 
there's um, this same concept of 90% of your digestive issues is actually caused from how you're eating, not so much what you're eating. So that philosophy is still in, is kind of incorporated in that. And I, I'd actually think it would be really interesting to incorporate some of the more mindful eating aspects of Ayurveda into intermittent fasting. I might have to kind of be explore that and be a little curious with that because I think they're both really, really more of a self-care and nourishment and treating your food and seeing it differently. And it really does change your relationship to food in a, in a different way, which I think can be really beneficial. Um, so I like the idea of it being more about how you're eating and changing your perspective of food and not so concentrated. I think a lot of the time we really concentrate, especially when we have a tight grip grip on that control of the calories of the micro macros of the, what the, what food, like what am I eating and and kind of getting nitpicky on that. So it might actually be really beneficial for somebody that's in that place and not wanting to be so particular about the kinds of foods and changing to this intermittent fasting and exploring more of like, how does this food make me feel? And I have this window to, you know, try it out and eat different foods and, and bring in that kind of flow and ease and sense of curiosity. Yeah. And as you mentioned that, I was just thinking of a client who was like, well, should I do keto and fast or (laughs) should I do fast and then keto? And, and they were trying to, to do both. And I said, well, why don't you just start with one and, and just go from there? And I think what happens is a lot of times is one good habit can lead to another one. And so I think they started out with just creating some type of structure and intermittent fasting schedule. And then they started to realize that, okay, now I can maybe improve my eating a little bit. Um, and you know, maybe they felt like they were having a very high carb, high process, processed meals. And they, they cut back into that because they realized like, you know, they had six hours or two meals to eat and they really wanted to make the most of them. So I think it's just like anything, like people who are like, well, should I do diet and then work out or work out and then diet? I said, well, one can lead to the other. Like, I, th- I feel like it's almost a, can be a domino effect if you're if you're strength training and then you start to see results and you realize, well, I want to see more results. Well, okay, maybe I should just clean up my eating more. So they can all go hand in hand, but I would definitely start with one thing first. And then once you sort of get your arms around that, then you can go into other modalities, I would say. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that concept of just taking one thing at a time, because if somebody really wants that long-term and sustainable change, they're going to have to swim upstream against what the ego is telling us is like, you need to do all of it at once perfectly. And I'm sure there's a little voice in everybody's heads. That's like, that's not good enough. Like I need to work harder. I need to try harder. I need to do all these different things. And you really have to work upstream against what the ego is saying and really be like, okay, I'm just doing one thing. I'm, t- I'm taking a half a step. 
or one step or, you know, mm-hmm. just a little baby amount. I love this analogy. I heard it once from, um, I think it was Dr. Nicola pair. She has a, this book called the work and she talks about, it's like going to the gym. You wouldn't go to the gym for the first time and pick up the heaviest weight that you could find and start lifting. Because right. if you did the next day, you'd be so sore, you'd be tired. You wouldn't go back to the gym. It's this concept of going to the gym and picking up the three pound weights or the five pound weights and doing that a few reps and then going home and you feel a little, feel a little bit better the next day. You're like, Oh, that was really cool. I did that. And then you go, you keep going back and maybe you go up to the 10 pound weight. So it's that kind of analogy makes sense in my head of like, yeah, like that I've done the gone to the gym and done the 50 pounds and never gone back because it was miserable and I took (laughs) on too fast. So yeah, we do have to stay in that observer mindset of noticing what our limiting beliefs are telling us, what the ego is telling us that that constant stream of you're not doing enough, you're not good enough, will always tell you to do everything at once and do it perfectly. So reminding us that there's this one step that's really going to lead us to that long-term change. And I always have to remind us all that the ego wants to keep us where like the, in the comfortable one, we want to stay in that place where we're comfortable. We know what's going to happen. We're, you know, we're able to predict it, but in that place, we don't want to exist anymore. We want change. We want something new. So we're going to have to go against old beliefs and old patterns. And so doing this one step is going to lead us there. What the ego is telling us is like, oh yeah, okay. You want to do that change. Okay. Try everything at once and do it really fast and do it really hard and do it perfectly because it's so sneaky and knows that it's going to drive us back into (laughs) exactly where we were. And so I love to look five years, 10 years ahead and be like, where do I want to be? And how am I going to make this sustainable change? And um, yeah, I think the framework of intermittent fasting is just a beautiful way to create structure and also add in that ease and flow. And then making what you were talking about, Brian, is that domino effect of just doing one little thing at a time. And, and, you know, I'm saying five years, but like even in the one year of doing that, it's incredible the amount of change that you get to see. Yeah, well done. You must be a podcast host. <laughs> I think I am. <laughs> I think I've really grown into it. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. You made me think of, uh, I'm, I actually have a book coming out in August. You know, we talk about a lot of these things that we've already touched on, but one of them is sort of the stepladder approach. And I just think that you can use this for a lot of different things. Like you talked about with the weights, not going in and trying to lift, you know, something that's way beyond what you maybe you could do right off the bat. And it's the same thing, I think, with fasting. And so I think that stepladder approach where you just ease into it. And that's how I, I, I wrote a journal in 2017. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm sort of including part of that in the book, but it, I, I sort of did it without even like thinking, but it's, it is that stepladder approach in a sense that if you're used to eating at a certain time, pushing that back gradually, as opposed to just going cold Turkey and pushing it, you know, six hours from when you're used to eating. Uh, cause we're so, we have this, um, unconscious habits of, of just being tied by what time we're so, we're so habitual on when we're eating. So if you really push that, you're going to really 
have, you know, have, you know, hunger hormones are just going to go crazy, but if you can ease into it and, and continually push and push and push maybe an hour, half hour and do that step ladder approach, I think your success level will go way up. Oh yeah. And Brian, I saw that you had that journal, um, which looked amazing, but tell us about your book. What is the name of it? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's in the works. Uh, the, the, the name I keep going back and forth, mm. but it is based around like what's called like my fat burner blueprint, which is sort of like six steps that I take people through, which is like creating clarity, um, you know, small changes, big, I call it small changing, small changes, big results, master plan, which is like finding those low hanging fruits mm. to get those small wins. Uh, we talk about, you know, activity upgrade and sleeping and stress and nutrition mealtime. So a lot of things we talk about in the book. Um, and yeah, so awesome. I guess, yeah, I, it's in the work, so it's yeah. still, still being done, but no, that's great. And the listeners can check out your fat burner blueprint program on your website. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. It's on there. And, and, um, that's just something I work with clients on. It's a six month program. So. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. And if any of this is resonating, definitely invite the listeners to check that out. And then um, also, I wanted to ask you, Brian, you have something on your bio that is um, says fat adaptive, adapted. Could you tell us what is that? Yeah. So becoming fat adapted, it's like a, you hear it a lot now, um, just with fasting and keto and things like that. But it's, it's, pretty much your body's ability to convert fat to energy. So okay. when you're fat adapted, you don't necessarily like you hear these fat adapted athletes, uh, who don't necessarily need to bring all this carbs and glucose into power them through these, you know, through the day, you can tap into your more abundant supply, which is body fat. Most of us have plenty of body fat to use for energy. And so, you know, if you just think of like paleolithic times, we went plenty of days without food. And, you know, we didn't have a Starbucks in every corner, so we didn't have 24 seven access to food. Um, so this was something that was more of a survival mechanism for us. And, you know, it's just our ability to utilize fat. And a, a lot of times our ability to utilize fat is dependent on, um, lowering insulin. And so that's why fasting and keto, you know, keto is more of a higher fat diet. Uh, but, uh, you can get into your body fat stores that way. Um, so this might take some time, especially for people who are sort of on this carb roller coaster and, and blood sugar. And then I'm not anti-carb by no means, but, but you might have to lower those down a little bit to get into that state. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I've seen that a few different places. I was like, I don't know what that is. So I better, I better ask mm -hmm. Brian. So thank you for explaining that. Yeah. Um, and so Brian, what? I love to ask the guests at the end of each episode what their own daily wellness routine is, just to give us all a little inspiration. That's top secret. I can't share that with you. <laughs> Actually, I love routines, so it's, it's. I ask all my guests on my my podcast, um, uh, you know, morning routines and night routines, and I'm I'm a big proponent of them. And so, your question was like, what's my daily routine? Yes. How much time do we have? No. <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> uh, so, well, I, I have two dogs, so I get up and take them for a, a walk every morning. 
I don't want to say that too loud. They'll go. Um, and uh, so I think getting out and, and getting some sun on your face uh, without, you know, sunglasses on and just, you know, sort of going for a walk without your cell phone is a great way to start the day. So I love that. I, I, I do it even if I didn't, I would do it even if I didn't have dogs, but they for, force me out. Um, after that, I try to do things for myself a little bit. You know, I think in the morning I try to just get as much done, like not just for work, but also like for my personal time. Right. Like I think we get all caught up in emails and this and that right off the bat. I think so. Like I'll, I, I'm, I'm learning instrument, like I'm learning piano. So I'll do like, even if it's 10 minutes of piano, I'll do something like that. I play for my dogs. I don't know if they like it, but whatever. Uh, they sit and listen anyways, uh, sometimes. So I do something like that, maybe read a little bit and then, you know, maybe do a little bit of like a 10 minute mobility routine, just, you know, nothing crazy. I, li- I like yoga. It sounds like Katie, you're into yoga as well, but Typically yoga depends on the day and, you know, the time. So I'll just do a little bit of a mobility routine in the beginning of my day. And then I'll usually, then I usually get started. And, um, so that's my morning. And then evening, I just try not to eat too late and wind down. If I do have to be on a screen for a little bit, or if I'm reading something now, it's like everything you want to read is on a screen unless Mm -hmm. like, you know, I I do like to buy books and read books. So I still do that, but I will really. I will wear blue blocking, you know, the glasses, you know, maybe an hour before bed and then just wind down with some reading. Um, and that's my typical routine. I, I, you know, I try to do strength training throughout probably four days a week. And then my fasting window is very, depends on the day, but I would say I usually eat between about two and seven is my, my window right there. And, um, that's my life. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> it was so fun to have you. And I'm just so glad that we could talk about intermittent fasting and dive into all the juiciness of it. So thank you for sharing all your insights, Brian. Yeah. And um, I just invite the listeners if they are interested about learning more. I mean, you can tell Brian's awesome. He's so open and just inviting. So I know if you reached out to him, I'll put all of his contact in the show notes um, that he'd be more than happy to talk with you. And yeah, on his website, he has that program, that fat burner blueprint. And, um, and then I also have that you have the intermittent fasting certification course. Is that right? Brian? Yeah. Yeah. Certification yeah. course. And that's for, um, coaches who are looking to just add maybe a little bit of knowledge on uh, regarding fasting and then how to implement it with clients, um, and, and gain some, uh, CEUs. So perfect. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, any other kind of last words about contacting you or what's the best way to reach out to you? No, I, you know, it's all on the website, briangrin.com and they can reach out. We could do a short call and, uh, and that's probably the best way. And then obviously when the book is out, it'll be obviously up on the website as well. So, um, no, I, I appreciate, uh, coming on Katie and you're a great podcast host from oh, one podcast host to another. Yeah. I was going to say, and your podcast is get lean, eat clean. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. definitely listeners check that out too. Cause you guys know, like podcast is a wealth of free information. So definitely check that out. And yeah, this was super fun. Thanks um, everybody for being here, listening and sending so much love to you and your body. I'll see you all next week. 
If you have made it to the end of this episode and you want more, more wellness tools, practices, and insights from this episode and others, make sure to sign up for our email list. This is where we connect and support our Body Breaking Free community. So if you're ready for the next step, the link to sign up will be in the show notes at katiekgram.com forward slash newsletter. 